What's going on, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to another episode of Cabinet. Today, for October the 10th of 2018, a big day because we finally don't have to use a zero in front of the second number in the date for the title. But my name is Samuel Adams, and welcome to today's show. I hope you are all doing very well. For those hanging out live in the chat, welcome to the show, and I hope you have had a fantastic day. But of course, that also goes for those that might be watching the VOD later on in the day, or perhaps even the podcast version that is out there on Apple Music, on Spotify, all these other podcast services, tons of them, if you did want to dive into that. A lot of options of how you want to intake the show. Uh, But of course, for those that might be new, this is a daily gaming news show where I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry and package it in one tight little nugget for you to bite into like you're at McDonald's. I always try and come up with something new every single day. That's my new uh, New Year's resolution, if you will. And yeah, it is October, but today we have some fantastic news, some stuff that I've been waiting for for a very, very long time, is that PSN name changes are finally coming. I'm so excited about the fact that this is a thing, and of course, this is one of those things that's been bubbling up inside of me all day. As soon as I heard this story this morning, I was so incredibly excited. Of course, for those that don't know, uh, we'll be diving into it more in a moment, but essentially, I don't have to be known as AwesomeGamer875 anymore via the PlayStation Network, and of course, if you do want to add me, that's awesome in all caps, lowercase gamer, and then 875. I made it when I was around the age of 11, so as a 21-year-old, It's going to be fantastic to be able to play some games with a brand new handle, and we'll talk more about what exactly is going on behind the scenes with that. But moving on with the rest of the show, we'll have Assassin's Creed Odyssey's sales. Uh, We have the game Stardew Valley, you might have heard of it, coming out on iOS in October, which is, if you'd lost track, this actual month. On top of that, the Nintendo Switch Online has a new version of Zelda that we will talk about, if you did want to dive into that. Black Ops 4's Blackout map has been revealed, but it's been specifically revealed showing off where everybody kind of took part in some action during the beta, and I thought we would kind of talk about that. Maybe you can plan out your routes for whenever the game does launch later on in the week. On top of that, Netflix has announced some casting for the new Witcher series that everybody has been talking about. And speaking of casting, we have some news about Bully 2, a long-running Rockstar franchise that has never seen a sequel, but one that is very much so iconic in a lot of people's minds as being one of the best, if one of the most interesting, uh, games from the Rockstar lineup. And if you are into LEGO, then you might also be in Overwatch because we do have a brand new kit coming out as soon as I tell you about it. So we'll talk more about all of these things and more on today's episode of Caffeinate. I do hope you stick around for the rest of the show. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the first story of the day, which again is that PSN name changes are, quote, coming soon. All PS4 owners will get to change their PlayStation Network ID in, quote, early 2019. Sony announced today the PlayStation users will be able to change their PlayStation Network IDs in early 2019. A blog post about the changes established a few key points, mainly how much it will cost players to change their name once a trial period is over. Select players who have participated in a system software betas previously will be allowed to change their PSN names as part of the PlayStation Preview program. The first PSN name change will be free of charge, but changes after that will cost $9.00 and 99 cents USD. The option to change your PSN name will cost you $4.99 if you are a PlayStation Plus member, Sony said. Quote, changes to online ID can be made through the settings menu or via the profile page on your PlayStation 4, according to the blog post. And of course, there is a longer statement here. When you change your online ID, you will have the option to display your previous ID with your new ID so your friends can recognize you. 
that's not going to be happening on my end. But once you decide to display your old ID or not, you won't be able to adjust this after completing the online ID change process. The preview program will finish by the end of no- uh, November. Excuse me. Sony said it will roll out the program to all PlayStation 4 users in early 2019. Sony's update to PSN IDs comes with a major caveat. It might not work with all games on all platforms. Quote, this feature is compatible with PlayStation 4 games originally published after April 1st, 2018, and a large majority of the most played PS4 games that were released before this date. However, please note, not all games and applications for PS4, PS3, and PlayStation Vita systems are guaranteed to support the online ID change, and users may occasionally encounter issues or errors in certain games. If, for any reason, you experience issues after changing your ID, you can revert back to your original ID for free at any time, and you will only be able to revert once during the preview program. Reverting back to an old ID will resolve most issues caused by the ID change. In addition, when this feature officially launches, a list of compatible games published before April 1st, 2018 will be provided on PlayStation.com for reference before you can make the change. PlayStation Network IDs have been set in stone since Sony's online service launched back in 2006 alongside the PlayStation 3. The option to change your PSN ID has been a long-standing request from PlayStation users, but while similar services have offered the option to change users' display names over the years, Sony took more than a decade to address it. At last year's PlayStation Experience, chairman of SIE Worldwide Studios Sean Layden said he hoped to give PlayStation owners an update on Sony's progress on that front by the end of this year, and lo and behold, here we are. Now, to address a question in the chat, you weren't allowed to before, no. Unfortunately, the way they built the infrastructure that is kind of the foundation of the PlayStation Network, you are essentially tied to that specific ID instead of being your own entity that has a name. So, whenever you do change your name, you're essentially going to be putting on a different name tag, but you're still the same person as it should be. But before, you were literally known by that specific thing, and in their system, that is how you were. So everything you did, every trophy you earned, anything along those lines, it is all tied to that specific name. And of course, that did uh, lead to some problems for those that did want to change their names. And it's something that a ton of people have been kind of dealing with over the course of the past 10 years. Because, as I said, whenever I made my PlayStation Network ID, I was in a campground at the age of 11 sitting on a terrible, absolutely abysmal Wi-Fi connection trying to connect to the PlayStation Network. And so once I finally connected, I chose pretty much the first thing that came to mind. I, my friends... I was an awesome gamer, and so therefore, I went ahead and put that as my PlayStation Network ID, and then for some reason, I put the numbers 875 for no particular reason whatsoever, and that, my friends, is what I've been stuck with all the way until I am now 21 and a half years old. So, as I mentioned before, I'm incredibly excited about this. I cannot wait to dive in and change my name as soon as I am able to, Uh, but unfortunately, I am not in that preview program, so it looks like I'll be able to jump on board in early 2019, and I hope that my names aren't taken, because I have a few in mind if the first one doesn't work. Uh, but of course, as for right now, if you did want to learn more about that, a ton of outlets are talking about it, and it is without a doubt the biggest piece of gaming news of the day. Uh, as far as their charging for it, where you do have to pay 10 bucks if you aren't a PlayStation Plus user, or 4 bucks if you are, I don't really think that's a big deal. I see that Xbox Live has been doing that for a while. Needless to say, unlimited free changes could present an issue if you did just change it every month or so to kind of keep up with the times, or maybe be the trendiest memer on the block. Uh, but I totally think this is a pretty good way to do it, and I'm glad that they have finally changed everything on the back end so that we can finally do this and so we will see what my final name is maybe we'll make a contest out of it name my new playstation network id just kidding i would never do that but moving on to the next story of the day assassin's creed odyssey has the franchise's best launch sales of this entire generation 
Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the latest in the sprawling series that began in 2007, reportedly holds the best launch sales in the series for this current console generation, beating out launch sales for Origins, Syndicate, and Unity. Well, when the competition isn't exactly prime, then perhaps you do have a chance, but announced by Ubisoft, the developer attributes high review scores and positive player feedback for these strong sales. Though no solid numbers were given, we do know that Origins sold twice as fast as Syndicate in a 10-day period following launch. It's unclear if the statistic includes Black Flag, which was released on current generation consoles as well as consoles from the previous generation, and shipped over 10 million units within two months. Quote, we are incredibly proud of what the team accomplished with Assassin's Creed Odyssey and humbled by the amazing reception from critics and players said Jeffrey Sardin, Ubisoft's SVP of Sales and Marketing. Based on the quality of the game and the very encouraging reactions from players, we expect Odyssey to be one of the top-performing Assassin's Creed games of all time. And of course, IGN said that the game was amazing. You, you can check out their full review over there if you did want to dive into that. Uh, but as for right now, it does seem like Assassin's Creed Odyssey is selling very, very well, according to Ubisoft. And for a good reason. Of what I've seen, the game does very well in balancing a lot of various uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, perspectives of gaming. Because you do have microtransactions within the game, which does satisfy the board members, if you will, behind the scenes at Ubisoft. So you can buy your way to the top and pay to win if you do choose to do that. Because it doesn't hurt anybody else. It is a single-player game. However, of what I've heard from my close friends that have been playing the game, it isn't something that's pushed in your face, because so many games, as of the past five years or so, have pushed the microtransactions right in your face to where it's like, buy these, or you can do this, but primarily buy these. That's not what they do with Assassin's Creed whatsoever. They actually do it very, very well, and they market themselves effectively in that. Uh, overall, I've heard the gameplay is great. The story is stunning. I've heard that people can put 20 hours into the game before even diving into the first mission of the actual mainline story. Amazing stuff that I'm hearing about Assassin's Creed, and this is one that as I've said, I might give a shot whenever it does have a bit of a price drop. Of course I'm in college, I don't want to be throwing around my money too liberally, uh, but I do want to be able to play these games as they do roll out, so we'll see what happens with this one. I have no doubt that it's going to be a big seller for the entire holiday season, uh, but as for right now, it seems like it's selling fairly well. Uh, it's interesting also, this little nugget of information here, that Origins sold twice as fast as Syndicate. Uh, kind of neat there, little uh, little details here. So, anyways, we can analyze this for the entirety of the night, but as for right now, what you need to know is that Odyssey is doing very, very well, and that's what happens when you take the time and you make a good game. I'm just saying. But speaking of good games, the acclaimed farming simulator Stardew Valley is coming to iOS in October. Critically acclaimed farming sim slash role-playing game Stardew Valley is coming to the Apple App Store on October the 24th, developer Eric Barone announced on Tuesday. Mobile game studio The Secret Police is handling the port. The iOS version is the full game Barone assures fans, and it plays almost identically to its PC and console counterparts. The main difference is that it has been rebuilt for touchscreen gameplay and iOS, new UI, menu systems, and controls, he said in a blog post. Stardew Valley on mobile has all of the single-player content released in the big 1.3 update, including the night market and new character events, but it doesn't include the PC version's recently added multiplayer features, and Barone stresses that development on the mobile port isn't impacting work on the console multiplayer ports at all. Quote, console multiplayer is making great progress, and I have every intention to release it as quickly as possible, he said. For a quick update on where it's at, the Switch multiplayer update is coming along well and has now gone into quality assurance testing. Xbox One and PlayStation 4 multiplayer updates will follow, all being done by Sickhead Games. I promise to keep you all updated on any news I get regarding release timeframes for all of the consoles, and I really appreciate everyone's patience. Of course, if you were wondering about a price, Stardew Valley on iOS costs $8 and is available for pre-order right now. There are no in 
in-app purchases, Barone said. PC players who want to make the switch to mobile can transfer their save data via iTunes, but there is a caveat. Mods aren't supported, and any save data that's transferred containing mods can cause compatibility issues. An Android version is also on the way. Barone said he hopes to have more news about it, exact launch date, pretty soon. So keep your eye to the ground on that one, or perhaps your ear to the ground. The eye wouldn't do very much for you there. Uh, but overall, glad to hear Stardew Valley is coming to the iOS. Of course, this is a game that I never really got into. But for fans of Harvest Moon, this is pretty much a dream come true. It truly is a fantastic little game, one that's adorable in its art style, one that is fantastic in its gameplay, and one that is going to be right at home on the mobile platform. I've seen tons of people that have played the other versions of the game saying that their productivity is absolutely going to tank uh, because Stardew Valley is one of those games where you can just really sit back and relax and just kind of veg out and play it. It's great for a lunch break. It's great for whenever you're on the toilet. Tons of options here for whenever you are playing your mobile games. Uh, but when it comes to the price tag, eight bucks, I think that is incredibly uh, right in the ballpark of where it needs to be. And I will also say that I'm glad there are no in-app purchases because whenever you take the soul out of something like Stardew Valley, that's when you begin to lose players because if there is one game that does not need microtransactions it is Stardew Valley. I'm just going to put that out there. I am so glad that they did not go that route. Uh, so for 8 bucks you can get a full game like a really truly full fleshed out game on the iOS if you did want that and again it is coming soon to Android if you happen to be on the other side of the pond on that one. But overall, glad to hear the development is going well, and it's awesome, because I know a ton of fans have been waiting very diligently for this one to come out. Speaking of mobile games, Nintendo Switch Online now includes an easier version of Zelda. It's an unexpectedly souped-up take on an old classic. A very interesting story here that I threw in at the last minute. Nintendo had previously said that three new games would arrive on its Instant Access NES catalog today, and it's delivered on its promise, and then some. In addition to the anticipated Solomon's Key, NES Open Tournament Golf, and Super Dodgeball, Nintendo Nintendo also released a fourth game, a hyped-up spin on a Zelda classic. Called The Legend of Zelda Living the Life of Luxury, the game is described as a souped-up version of an old favorite, where players start with loads of rupees and equipment. With all these once-hard-won items in your possession, the game will no doubt be a whole lot easier and quicker, but once you beat it, you'll get access to another, more difficult version called Second Quest, which is basically the original game. Essentially, it's making the classic a bit more approachable for newcomers. It's not yet clear whether this one will take a more traditional approach to Link's adventures or will simply play out luxury style, but old school Zelda fans and new gamers like probably won't waste much time finding out. And so I think this is a great way to kind of introduce people. And before we jump into what I think, I do want to read the official description here because I missed it on the drop since Nintendo didn't tell anybody this was happening. <clears throat> The Legend of Zelda Living the Life of Luxury. Buy something, will ya? In this souped-up version of The Legend of Zelda, you'll start with a ton of rupees and items. You'll begin with all equipment, including the white sword, the magical shield, and the blue ring, and even the power bracelet. But if Ganon's still giving you a hard time, the power of money will overcome. Just to buy yourself some more items and give it another shot, beating the game once grants you access to a more difficult version of the game called Second Quest. And that, my friends, is what you'll find on the Nintendo eShop. Overall, I think this is a great way to kind of entice more people to get into those classics, to really try out uh, these classic NES games, because I have played the original Legend of Zelda, and I will say that in a world where we are given tutorials, in a world where we are kind of guided through a gameplay experience, and occasionally we will be given free reign over our world if we do figure out the best way to play it, uh, it's always a little bit jarring to go back to how games used to be, where you literally had this kind of game put in front of you, and you just give it a shot, and it's like, see what you can do. A couple of 
of tutorials here and there, but overall, these games are very much so uh, putting you out there in the cold and letting you figure out the world for yourself, and there's a lot to be said about that kind of game. But to be able to have all these rupees, to be able to have all this equipment, and to be able to kind of really just dive in and dominate in The Legend of Zelda, I think it's a fantastic little idea, and I hope that I see more games do this kind of thing, especially if they are released for free for the NES Online subscribers, or the uh, Nintendo Switch Online subscribers, excuse me. Same thing, because you get free NES games, and that's basically the main draw of the entire service anyways. Uh, However, if you did want to dive in, the game is available now if you did want to do that, along with three other NES classic games, which are much, much less impressive. Speaking of games that are not less impressive, Call of Duty Black Ops 4's Blackout Map reveals most active locations from the beta. Treyarch shared a heat map from the Call of Duty Black Ops 4 Blackout beta to show the most active spots on the new map. Tweeting the image below through the Treyarch Twitter account that caters to the PC players, the heat map highlights different points around the map with a bright orange color to show where the action took place. Treyarch didn't say that this is where people are dropping first, but the fact that these more major areas are the most contested means the players are either dropping in those spots to start the game or gravitating towards the busy locations filled with buildings and loot. Battle Royale games often see players dropping in the main areas of the maps since those are the spots that'll net them the quickest loot and put them in the right in the middle of a fight, so it's not surprising to see so many major areas lit up on the map. An example of that can be seen at the dot on the bottom left part of the map where Lighthouse is, a landmark that's far away from the center of the map and runs the risk of putting players far outside the circle but is nonetheless still quite an active place. Other areas like Nuketown Island, Rivertown, and the Asylum building that is uh, pulled from Call of Duty Zombie mode are among the more active locations on the map. And so I did want to kind of uh, check this out uh, in a large format because I do want to kind of compare these to the original map that we have seen in the uh, the reveal that we saw on Twitter a couple of weeks back. So it looks like the hottest locations here on the map are without a doubt uh, the ones that are named, as you would expect, because that's where people are kind of guided to go. Uh, so one that shocks me here is the fact that Train Station is a very, very busy part of the map. Uh, as you can see, there aren't too many buildings, but still people tend to gravitate towards this kind of location. And so even even with minimal cover, you still have a lot of people going towards train station. On top of that, what's interesting is that Hydro Dam and Turbine are also very, very hotly contested locations. But I will say that the most interesting location for me is this little bottom part where it says cargo docks. There's a lot going on on the ship, but not too much going on around it as compared to stuff like Rivertown and Firing Range. Uh, but again, you could analyze this for as long as you would like. What it comes down to is that it's very interesting to kind of see where people are actually dropping and to to be able to see where the action is taking place. So again, this is all very valuable if you are planning where you want to drop, if you are thinking about it without ceasing until the game does come out in a couple of days. Uh, I remember back whenever the games used to be coming out, I would analyze all the map routes for the classic Call of Duty kind of setup, and I used to love that kind of stuff. Uh, So again, if you did want to check out what they are bringing to the table with Blackout, it launches alongside Call of Duty Black Ops 4 as a third mode uh, in the franchise if you did want to check it out or at least a third mode in the game. You have zombies, you have the regular traditional multiplayer, and then you do have blackouts. So there's a lot to offer here. And of course, they are having a kind of heightened focus on PC gamers for this entry in the franchise. Could be pretty fun to see how that ends up uh, shaking out. Uh, but again, the game does come out on October the 12th on the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the PC. And I will say, as I've always said, I'm going to be buying this one on day one. 
But another fantastic game, The Witcher's Netflix series cast Siri, Yennefer, and other supporting roles. Now, before we jump into this article, I will say that there are many, many names here that I'm going to mispronounce. I'm not a perfect man, as you can see by the rest of the show that you've been watching. If you've made it this far, you are quite the gentleman, aren't you? But let's go ahead and dive into it. Last month, we have learned that Henry Cavill will star as Geralt in the upcoming The Witcher Netflix show. Today, more roles have been cast, giving us a better idea of the events from the novels that have been adapted into the show. The Hollywood Reporter confirmed today that Ciri will be played by Freya Allen, the War of the Worlds into the Badlands, as most known for, and Yennefer by Anya Kalotra, I believe is how you say that last name, the ABC Murders and Wanderlust. Other supporting roles have been cast, such as Jody May, Game of Thrones genius, as Queen Calathen? Calanth? You see, this is where it gets fun. Bjorn Hilnir Haraldson, Fortitude as her husband, and the knight Iced Tunerchum, Adam Levy, Nightfall Snatch, as the druid Mouse Sack. What is a Mouse Sack? Okay, who also appeared in The Witcher 3 as Ermion, Mayanna, Berging, as the head of the Magical Academy at our... Why? Tysaia, Dave Rees, Millie Brady, I got that one, as the outcast Princess Renfrey, and NX also confirmed Therica Wilson-Reed as Sabrina Glevesung, and Mimi Nindwini. Mimi Nindwini? Really? Is that actually a name? As Fringilla Vigo. I am absolutely killing it tonight, ladies and gents. This is content. Judging from the cast of actors, we are likely going to see it adapted into the show stories from The Last Wish books, such as The Lesser Evil and A Question of Price. The titular novel where Geralt and Yennefer meet for the first time is likely getting adapted, though the casting for Dandelion, who plays a role in it, has yet to be revealed. Other major characters from A Question of Price, such as Dooney and Pavetta, have yet to be cast, but we will likely hear more about them soon. The Witcher Netflix series is going to be based on the Sapkowski, I'm just going to call them that, novels that will consist of eight episodes that will be directed by Alec Sarkarov, Game of Thrones, Rome, Alex Garcia Lopez, Daredevil, Fear of the Walking Dead, and Charlotte Brandstorm, Brandstrom, There we go. Colony, The Disappearance. Thank God there are no more names. The Witcher Netflix series will launch on yet a uh, on a yet-to-be-confirmed date. Rumors say it may even come out next year, but an official statement on the matter has yet to be made. Uh, before I go into what I think about this, I want to apologize on behalf of, of myself and the people here at Samuel Adams Media, which includes myself, uh, for all these mispronunciations. You were all fantastic people doing the Lord's, the Lord's work out there with uh, the Witcher series. But when it comes down to it, I'm excited because it does sound like there's going to be a bit more of a backstory instead of necessarily what's going on in the actual game itself. Of course, uh, you do have this whole where Geralt meets Yennefer for the first time kind of uh, scene being set up within the article here, and I would love to see that kind of stuff come out in this TV series because then people get directed back to the games, and then people start to play the games and get more lore, and then more of the TV show comes out, and overall, it just kind of works in a synergy kind of way instead of necessarily uh, sucking an audience away from the other and trying to redo a story that's already been told fairly well. Uh, so again, we could definitely analyze this more, but as for right now, all of the these fantastic actors and actresses with confusing names are going to be in this Netflix series. So you guys will have to let me know what you think about that in the comment section down below. Wow, that was rough. But speaking of casting calls, with more able to pronounce names, you do have casting calls for The Bully 2 that may have been released. And again, this is just a rumor, nothing that is being reported on officially. You do have some speculation here, but something that is worth talking about. 
We have reason to believe that casting calls related to Rockstar Games' upcoming title Bully 2 have been released by a casting director who is not disclosing much information about the title or the developer, as is expected. There are seven casting calls for a new unannounced video game title with a leading UK games developer shooting at Pinewood Studios. The casting calls are mainly for teenage and young roles and involve placeholder names for the characters. The casting call actually provides a warning and some vague detail about the project. Mild violence and profanity will be used in scenes with the younger performer. The project itself is a thriller slash drama and all scenes with the young performer will be handled in sensitivity. The calls made by casting director Jessica Jeffries will be shot in Pinewood Studios London, a very popular and large-scale studio for very big companies. Some casting calls directly mention staff, such as college professors. We've also seen Rockstar staff come into engagement with the listings, but the guys over there at Rockstar Intel will not be sharing info or on who or how. They are for motion capture acting roles. Bully 2 has been a long-leaked and anticipated video game, even mentioned by former Rockstar insider Yan2295 that it will be the next title from Rockstar after the release of Red Dead Redemption 2, which is just 15 days and 35 minutes away at the time of this stream. So, is this actually going to be a thing? I think that it very well could. It just kind of makes sense because a lot of companies right now are playing on that sense of nostalgia. They're saying, hey, we have these long-running games, these these very iconic games in our library that could be re-explored. And Bully is definitely up there when it comes to the games that I think of whenever I think about Rockstar Games. Uh, as a kid, of course, I was never really allowed to play it. This was one of the few games uh, that whenever I did get it for the PlayStation 2, my mom made me take back and return because it was too vulgar for me in my young, tender age. Uh, but I I will say that looking back on it, it is definitely an interesting game, one that is a, a unique depiction of high school slash early college slash middle school life. You know, it's a very interesting little kind of uh, universe they're trying to build there. So I'm excited to hear more about Bully 2, and I think that the casting could be a very interesting way to see how this is all going to play out. Uh, will it continue on the line, uh, the uh, the timeline of the original game, or will we just see more uh, stories from, I think it was Bullworth Academy, if I remember correctly, will we just be continuing some more new stories there? I would say maybe, but we'll see what happens here, but it does seem to be in the cards for the next Rockstar game, and I would say probably development is far underway, if I did have to guess, but... Moving on to the final story of the day, for those that might be into LEGO, the first Overwatch LEGO set is a blocky bastion, and I will say, it looks pretty cool, I'm not going to lie. Blizzard's first started teasing a team with LEGO, wait, let me try again. Blizzard first started teasing a team up with LEGO for Overwatch sets back in August, and now after a brief CGI teaser starring a minifigure tracer, the two companies have revealed the first set, a buildable version of the robotic hero Bastion. Lego Bastion is a 182-piece set that features the character's Omnic Crisis Orange skin from the game, along with a working machine gun that can fire small Lego bricks across the room for added realism. Sadly, it doesn't seem you'll be able to convert the set into a turret-style sentry or ultimate attack tank modes from the game, but given the creativity of the overall Lego community, it likely won't be long until someone figures out a custom build for those alternate modes, which would be absolutely amazing. But most importantly, the Lego Bastion also comes with a Lego version of Ganymede, Bastion's bird companion, which is just plain adorable. The Omnic Bastion set is a limited edition set that'll be sold for 25 bucks exclusively from Blizzard's online store. And with BlizzCon right around the corner, odds are that more Overwatch LEGO sets will be on their way shortly. And so again, to zoom out a little bit and give you a full glimpse of it, there you have it. That is the LEGO set for Bastion. 
Now me, growing up alongside the likes of Transformers, I would have loved to see a Transformers action figure where you do have a Bastion that can break down into a turret. That would be amazing, or even a tank, or even all three. That would be something that I would definitely be interested in seeing. Uh, but when it comes to the collaboration between Blizzard and LEGO, I think this is a perfect match. I think that when it comes to Overwatch, the audience is young enough, and also the audience is passionate enough about the game to where you would be buying and building these things. And it seems like something that is not necessarily a piece of fan service, but something that is catering to those fans that like collectibles. And again, it is just something you should take advantage of if you do have the opportunity to take advantage of it. Uh, so I won't be buying this just because I have enough random things laying around. I have enough figurines and enough of these uh, giant statues and whatnot. But when it comes to the Lego sets, it seems like more and more of these are going to be coming. But right now, Bastion is the one that you can get if you did want to pick it up. Again, 25 bucks relatively cheap considering the normal price of Legos. I will say that. I kind of expected more. I'm not sad about it, don't get me wrong, but still, 25 bucks, a good bit of money for formed plastic. But that wraps it up for today's episode of Caffeinate. If you guys enjoyed today's show, be sure to drop me a like down below if you're watching on YouTube. If you happen to be listening on the podcast version of the show, be sure to subscribe via your podcast service, whatever it might be. There is a new show every single weekday right here live on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media at 7 p.m. Eastern Time if you did want to jump in and watch the show live. But of course, I just appreciate you taking the time to check out what I am putting down right here on the YouTube channel. And again, thank you, as I've always said, for helping me hit 1,500 subscribers this week. It's amazing. Uh, it's uh, something I never thought that I would be able to see, and it's just a very interesting little piece of news there. But I digress. I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of the night. I will talk to you soon, and peace.